0: We yeah, baby, go again! Oh yeah!
1: I back. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John,
2: and <laughs> Brandon, and boys.
1: Here we go again. Let's get it. Those words so true today. We will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for the first UFC fight card of the year as Kelvin Gastelum will face Nazardine Imovov in the main event. Then Brandon has one of his world-famous facts don't care about your feelings, which we can confirm the topic. Is that okay if we say it now? And that is, how should the UFC discipline Dana White? Oh, we're going to talk about it. Then per usual, John will bring us up to date, excuse me, with all the news and happenings in the world of mixed martial arts, because let's face it, boys, we're back. We've been gone. Two weeks off, uh, not two weeks off from the podcast. Obviously, episodes still coming, um, uh, which I guess if you're new... Welcome. (laughs) Go listen to our last two episodes, though. uh, The New Year special with Jacob Herlock, which was uh, The Jeopardy, and then the one before that, we did our year-end Mixed Martial Arts Awards. Um, But both of those episodes were pre-recorded, so Mm. for us, we took, what, two almost two and a half weeks off, Mm -hmm. so um, we're just now getting back into the swing of it, but... Still content up. So if you haven't, go back and check out especially our year-end award show. Um, and then how fun was the Jeopardy one? Yeah. If you start this, off with those two, fun. like yeah. <laughs> there's
0: gonna be some episodes where you know the weeks are a little bit light. Those two will get you through if you need to go back to them. So
1: off the top, congratulations are in order. Yeah. And if you're following our Instagram at Neon Belly Podcast, you mm-hmm. already would have known about this. But congratulations to our very own brand. <laughs> who was yeah. promoted to purple belt last week. Yeah. Um, can I say the story?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's absurd. I wondered I had <laughs> wondered if best part. This, so,
1: so, uh, <laughs> so I guess for maybe people that like, like don't know, but like, you know, in jujitsu, especially gi class, uh, typically you line up in rank. Um, and you know, me and Brandon both being blue belts, uh, we were lined up next to each other and, um, I knew Brandon was getting his purple belt. Uh, mm. I had known for about a week. Jeez. and Yeah. <laughs> and so we're, so we're lined up, and uh, just out of nowhere, um, Brandon turns and looks at me. He's like, I think I'm going to ask Jacob if I can take two stripes off. Or no, three. <laughs> yeah. Three. Because yeah. Brandon had four stripes. He was a four-stripe blue. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to see if I can take four of my stripes off. I was like, why? Why? <laughs> He said, I just don't feel like I deserve him. And then, no. like, in my head, I'm just like, well,
0: well this is you about to be
1: interesting. And then uh, Jacob proceeds to uh, to promote him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like I don't deserve it. That is Brandon, though, I feel like. Um, and uh, like I said, probably the greatest last words in blue belt history is, yeah. I feel like I don't even deserve my stripes on my blue belt. And then here's your purple belt. Um, <laughs> and then
0: Jacob proceeds to tell the most Brandon story ever. Which the Tom the Blast one. Yeah, the Tom the one.
2: Well, I do I just one thing to say on that, like I do remember like when I, we rolled out of that just saying I do feel like in in, in some sort of way that almost kind of encapsulates most people's jujitsu sure. journey. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people when they when they get promoted, they don't feel like they necessarily deserve it. So it kinda kind of couldn't have been more perfect. Well, there's two like, type of people. There's those
0: type of people, and yeah, there's the people sure. who think that every week they probably need yeah, a striper. Yeah, that's true. That is 100% true. So. Uh,
1: Brandon versus Tom DeBloss is on YouTube. So we it won't, up. we're not going to share it. We won't tell you how to find it, but Brandon, you can confirm.
2: Yeah, it is 100% on YouTube. It is
1: on YouTube. You can go watch Brandon and Tom DeBloss on Tom DeBloss's YouTube channel. Right <laughs>
2: that was what, like, <laughs> like four, I think that was three or four years ago. Well. Probably,
1: <clears throat> but uh, yes. Uh, congrats, Brandon. And you know, Jacob, when he called and told me that he was going to do it, like I was like instantly. Like I mean, it makes so much sense. And um, you know, I don't. I I told him, and I'll, I'll tell you. I'm sorry, I'm not looking at you guys. I'm looking at you on the camera. If I look this way, it looks like I'm looking right. off camera. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll fix this next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I told Jacob then that um, for Brandon. Uh, I feel like outside of like Jacob, uh, Kyle, who trains with us, and then maybe like Dylan as well, um, who's a Brown Bell, is I think Brandon has probably the most jujitsu knowledge at our gym, um, in mm-hmm. terms of just um, just knowledge of the sport, knowledge of technique. And, I mean, and, and so much, and it's like you. I know you were like kind of like, oh, I don't even deserve these stripes, but <laughs> you're very much at that level, um, and even like you guys will see. Um, like, even when it came to the Gaha Open, the first one, like, I even text Brandon after, and I'm like, dude, you killed that. Like, um, and I think you actually could pursue, like, some type of a jujitsu comment. dude, jujitsu commentary is so hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, people just get murdered, even, like, guys in, like, Flow doing these, who's number one, like, people just murder these people um, for their comments. It's <laughs> tough, man. I mean, because everybody mm-hmm. sees jujitsu kind of differently. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. MMA, you know, commentators get m- murdered on that. But, Brandon, just, like I said, with your knowledge and just just everything, um, and you guys will see, like I said, we'll, we're going to do that again January 15th. Um. Tune in on our YouTube and mm-hmm, you'll be able to hear mm-hmm. Brandon again or come watch live, even yeah. better. And then you can just listen to Brandon afterwards. But, uh, but yeah, man, just congratulations. I mean, like I said, very, very much deserved.
2: Well, thank you guys. I now you like got
1: the pressure. You're the highest ranking oh. Neon Belly
2: Boy. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, feel like, I feel like you guys are just setting me up right now with all the compliments for the rest of the year. Like, this is the one. This is kind of your one. This is yeah. like the one. Good job. Dude, and then-
1: the thing is, though, like, like Blue Belt's cool, um, but still very much a, a, a beginner belt, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. Like, but,
0: Purple belt's a big deal. What's the breakdown of blue belts that make it to purple? Is it like a 2% or something like that? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I I bet it's not. I mean, it's definitely not. Obviously, as it gets higher, less people. mm -hmm. But but purple belt's a big deal, man. It really is. Yeah.
2: What was the blue belt for... I want to say like five years. I mean, yeah, it a thoroughly, thoroughly unexpected was not expecting it at <laughs> well, all. Clearly, yeah, when obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, it doesn't, no, doesn't
1: Jacob, you know, he's always said like, you know, when it comes to purple belt, he kind of typically wants you to be like a black belt at something, right? Like within jujitsu. And I think, Brandon, your Kimura game, your Kimura traps, um, you're definitely there. I was telling John too, because we were kind of talking about that when I told him about, you know, making sure, he, you know, we were there for the promotion is like, not only offensively is Brandon very tough, you know, when he's getting Kamoras, but defensively, your your defense on Kamoras. Like you're just so hard mm. to Kamora. It's just so tough. So I think if nothing else, if you feel like you don't deserve it, is I would say your Kamora game is definitely at a black belt level.
2: <laughs> well, thank at you. At least yeah.
1: your knowledge of it. Thank you. I'll still tap your ass though. Don't, yeah. don't, no. you don't get it twisted. And either. that's the end of the niceness. <laughs> now let's <Yeah>. get into <laughs> the, <laughs> the real stuff. Boys, uh, before we get into this
0: episode, John, rate sub follow. Let the people know what we need. Hey, if you've if you've been with us, you know what I'm gonna say. If you're not, I got something for you. If you have an iPhone, I need you to go onto Apple Podcasts, look up Neon Belly Podcast, give us five stars, leave us a review. We love to read those. They help push us into the algorithm. Um, if you're on Spotify, you can leave us five stars as well. If you're on social media, Instagram, Neon Belly Podcast, TikTok, Neon Belly Podcast, we try to post some exclusive stuff there, some more video, other things for people. Our YouTube Neon Belly Podcast, you can see some things, some of our Matt talks. The the uh, aforementioned uh, Gaha Open one. So definitely come show us some love. And we got some big things coming up. So we definitely, definitely need the support.
1: And speaking of written five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, we got a new one. Let's go. Over the holiday break. And I'm going to tell you what, I love this name from Love Pocket God. Whoa. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love Pocket God said, best podcast. These guys know what they're talking about and always have an entertaining show. Definitely worth listening if you are an MMA fan.
0: Let's go Love Pocket.
1: i out, Love Pocket. We appreciate it. Um, dude, something so simple like that, first off, helps us tremendously mm-hmm. off top. But um, man, it feels so good because like I said, we've talked about it before. We put so much work and effort. So to know that you guys are... Um, uh, you know we don't always get it right,
0: right? <laughs> but we get it.
1: We're wrong a lot, and we're just three. <laughs> we're here. Yeah, we're, we're
0: just, we show up every day or every episode. Exactly. So that's all that counts. We're just
1: three fans, man. Um, that just give our take each week with what we see, and we just appreciate that people are listening and, and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, man, keep those keep those coming as we go into this new year and spread the word. Keep telling people says, mm-hmm. just help this thing grow, man. We're ready for it. We're ready for 2023, and we're gonna start it out right now, boys, with our First, UFC Fight Night of the Year, this coming Saturday, is that January 13th? 14th. 14th. Our main event in the middleweight division, number 12, Nazardine Imavov versus number 13, Kelvin Gastelum Boys, the French Daggy. Nazardini Mavov comes into this fight riding a three-fight win streak. His most recent victory was a unanimous decision win over Joaquin Buckley back in September. Before that, he had back-to-back second-round finishes over Edmund Shabazian and Ian Heinish. Uh, he will definitely be taking a big step up, though, here in competition for his first UFC main event as he takes on the returning Kelvin Gasolum boys, Kelvin hasn't fought since August of 2021 um, when he lost a unanimous decision to Jared Cannoneer. Kelvin is currently not only just on a two-fight losing streak, though, for his career, he's only won one of his last six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, But he has moved camps, now lives and trains in Arizona at Fight Ready with Henry Cejudo. Um, I think that's a great move for a guy like Gasolum who needs a win to mm-hmm. really get his career back on track here. But man, um, he is really facing. A young hungry killer in Imavov right now who is looking to make a name off of Gel- uh, Kelvin and propel himself into the top 10. As we've seen, if you look at the guys Kelvin faces, a lot of them have gone on to face a title. If not one fight later, two. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, big stakes here uh, for our first main event of the year for both guys. Um, let's start it out with our last place finisher, John. All right. What are your picks?
0: You know, this is a very interesting matchup. um, And thoughts. Just because, like, stylistically, um, you know, Nazardine is very long. He fights kind of bladed, but he does have good grappling, good takedowns. Um, his striking is really, really nice, and he has been on a really good streak. But obviously, hasn't fought somebody the level of Kelvin. And then on Kelvin's yeah. side, not as much good luck. But you're talking about Darren Till, Jack Hermanson, sure. Robert Whitaker,
1: yes, you know, Definitely Izzy. consider the strength there, right?
0: Uh, and then he has a win- also has a win over Ian Hynish. Obviously, sure. a decision, not a knockout. But mm-hmm. so he has a- his backs against the wall. But I do feel like Nazardine's length is really he uses it really well. I think um, similar to. Uh, the Izzy fight Gaslam is going to have to get dirty. He's going to have to get inside that reach and get in that link to to land shots and utilize his wrestling. Because if he stays on the outside, he's going to get picked apart. Sure. But from my pick, I am going with Nazardine by third round TKO. Mm. Okay.
2: So for me, the um the camp change is massive. So I think you know one in six um and your or yeah one in one in right. five in your last six right. Um is not the best in in terms of how we've it's done as of late. So, so for me, he's got to do something different. Hopefully, yeah. with the camp change, he brings that. Whether that's an increase in his wrestling because he has wrestling capabilities. sure. But especially defensively, yeah. And I yeah. think his his striking is good, but Kelvin's just so small for the weight class yeah. that it's really tough for him to get inside. Now his fight against Izzy, my opinion, was one of his best performances ever. Mm. Um, but yeah. you know it's Izzy, so sure. Um. For me, unless Kelvin comes with something new, some sort of new addition or improved improvement to his game that he's mm-hmm. that he's got, I, I I gotta go with Nazardine on this one. Sure. Um, I just, the the length and size is going to be again, make it tough for Kelvin to get inside and he's got decent wrestling. It's not the met the best. He's not the most offensive wrestler, but he has the capabilities to put Kelvin down. In my opinion, Um, you took third round TKO. I think Kelvin's really tough to finish, man. Mm-hmm. Really um, I don't think he finishes him. So I'm going to take Nazarene by unanimous decision. So I actually think I'm, I'm going to go with Kelvin Gastelum here. Um, I'm not super confident with it as
1: it is always so tough. Um, to know what you're getting from a guy who's had such a long layoff. But I, like Brandon said, you know, I think given where Gastelum's career was heading one, I think the layoff helps and it helps a guy like him. But like Brandon was getting out there, getting more time just to train with Cejudo and fight ready. Um, I mean, he's coming from a great camp with Kings, right from Mm -hmm. Rafael Cordero. And like, that's a great camp, but clearly something was missing. Um, and he's found it here with Cejudo and fight ready guys. Um, And I just think it's huge to just kind of get him back and hopefully he can find some new tools, which maybe it comes in the form of the wrestling. uh, Because I think in terms of the fight itself – if this was a three-round fight, I would probably lean Imovov a little bit. But if you watch his fights, cardio seems to be a bit of an issue with Imovov, especially in his last fight with Buckley. He dominated Buckley for two rounds and then got pretty battered in that third because he was just absolutely gassed. And Buckley not only won that round, but looked like a couple times that he was close to finishing Imovov. Uh, really had him in some deep water there. I also think Gaston will have an advantage on the feet, um, even being the shorter guy. Imovov's a good striker, as John mentioned and he's good defensively, but Gaslam should have a speed and power advantage. You know, Amovov just hits guys and cracks them. I mean, he caught Buckley flush a couple times and just, like, didn't even bother Buckley at all. Um, Kelvin just can't allow himself, I think, to get frustrated and then start making mistakes, which which we've seen from Kelvin, and especially, once again, as the fight goes on, he can get a little tired, too, and make mistakes. But Amalvov, being the bigger guy in most fights, he's so good at staying on the outside, and just making it tough for guys to get on the inside. So Kelvin can't get super frustrated with that, just needs to stick to whatever game plan he has. I think leg kicks could be huge for Kelvin here, especially when you look at Mauvov's stance and how he stands. Um, but I think ultimately, to me, it's just going to come down to attrition, um, and I ultimately think Gastelum will win that battle. So give me Kelvin Gastelum by four. Mm. I'm going to say fourth-round <laughs> TKO. I'm tempted to say decision, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I feel like if he breaks him, I, I think he I think there's a potential, because like I said, when you just look at that third round, and I feel like the way Imavov fought Buckley is kind of how he has to approach Gout, because Buckley's even smaller than Kelvin, yeah. which is kind of crazy. He's going to be explosive, um, like
0: kind of rushes, trying to break that distance. Yeah,
1: yeah so I could just see him kind of <laughs> breaking him down, and then he just kind of gasses. But I wouldn't be surprised by a decision. But I'll, I'll stick with the Kelvin by fourth round TKO.
0: Not bad. He okay. also he's um attempts almost three as subs a fight.
1: Yeah, and, and I could see a scenario there where like, you know, and Kelvin's probably gonna have to, you know he might have this might be one where he has to come back you know he might lose mm-hmm. the first two rounds and then have to f- find a way to win the third fourth and fifth or something um,
2: he's been submitted a couple times too Weidman submitted yeah. him, and, him and, Manson and, submitted him and
1: and and where I almost like and like I said if this was a three round fight I would have went with Imavov um, but that's kind of where I got a little bit like man I almost should just pick Nazardine because um, this division is a lot different than when Kelvin was here and, and you know Kelvin does have historically pretty good takedown defense but man this is a different middleweight division and a guy like Nazarene being as big as he is and, and, and as imposing on the ground. It, it could give Kelvin some fits, but we'll see with this camp change. That's why I said it's so tough with a returning guy, but um, I just have some confidence in the change, man. Mm-hmm. Like, we've just seen some people get that gym change and they come back and they're just completely brand new. So, we shall see. Boys, as we move into our co-main event, we have to mention that Shavkat Rahmana versus Jeff Neal was our original co-main event for this card. Um, however, Neal was forced to withdraw last week due to an undisclosed injury. Uh, that fight has now been rescheduled to UFC 285 on March 4th. So, with that, the second fight that we are going to preview is... In the featherweight division, number 13, Dan Ige versus Damon Jackson-Boys. 50K Dan Ige is coming into this fight in the worst run of results of his career as he has lost his last three straight fights. Uh, Granted, they were against the Korean zombie Josh Emmett and most recently in June of last year, Mobzari Vloyev all three losses were by decision and it is worth mentioning Ige has never been finished in his career Mm -hmm. and I can promise you his opponent Damon Jackson is going to look to change that Um, of Jackson's 22 career wins 19 are by finish and 15 of those 19 finishes are submission Uh, Jackson is currently riding a four fight win streak his last win was a first round knockout against Pat Sabatini last December or September excuse me Uh, goes without saying though Ige is definitely his toughest test to date as well, like in our main event. I see a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in the matchmaking here too, I will say, between the main and co-main. Um, but uh, to me, this fight is pretty simple. Uh, whoever wins this fight will be ranked, or in Ige's case, still be ranked come Monday, and the loser won't. Um, right. And that's just kind of what this comes down to. Both of these guys, I feel like fighting for a top 15 ranking here as we uh, get into 2023 and probably one of the toughest divisions in um, in the UFC. So your guys' thoughts.
2: So I think uh, Ige definitely has the edge still with the striking. Um, I think if Jackson's going to win this, he's he has to implement his grappling. That's been That's what's got him to the dance thus far. Like you said, 15 of those 19 wins were submissions. Um, I think if he can just stick to his wrestling and just add in that constant pressure and keep Ige on his, on his heels, um, Ige won't be able to get going with his striking, which is, I mean, to, to be fair, I think Ige's best chance of winning Um I mm-hmm. think historically, like you look at the zombie fight, Korean Zombie was able to pretty much hold him that entire fight. So mm-hmm. Ega yeah, didn't have much of an answer on the ground. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna make my pick because I'm not in the last yeah. place. But. Yeah,
1: John kind of sold you there with the hard look over. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just
0: letting other people get a chance. John, John's supposed to I lead the do. dance,
1: and he hard he hard shanked you.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> well, like the first fight, though, I, I do agree with you. you. Have a veteran who's on a really bad yeah loss streak, and you have an up and comer who can really prove themselves. Yep. Um, and that's what makes both of these kind of hard because the potential is yeah. Dan Ige has way higher potential that we've seen uh, sure. outside of Jackson. But you also have that skid. Um, I do look at the Ilya toporo loss for Jackson mm-hmm. where toporo was able to get inside, use his power, and land a sure. really devastating left hand that just crumbled Jackson. And I think Dan Ige fights very similar granted since then jackson has gone on this streak he's used other tools but i do think dan Egay still has that potential and i'm actually going to lean dan Egay on this one i think he gets it back together because these are decision losses against some of the best guys he isn't getting finished and we can't say that damon jackson is one of those best guys yet so i'm going to go dan Egay by a uh, second round tko
2: Yeah, I hear what you're saying about the support of knockout, but my thing is Ilya. I think Ilya's just on another level. For Um, sure. I I think if Ilya fights Ige, I think, honestly, I think he goes through Ige as well. Um, So I'm going to take Jackson. I think he could get a finish here by so. I think he could hand him that that finish. I'll say, I'll say, Mm -hmm. probably late. I'll say third-round submission for Jackson.
1: I think I'm going to go 50K Ige here as well. And it makes me nervous uh, because um, as we were calling out John, you know, a couple of weeks ago for one, for the worst form in terms of picking on this show. in – the Neon Belly history, um, one of the things that me and Brandon mentioned is, you know, John made some picks last year that we were just looking at each other like, is this guy serious right now? And one of those was he picked Dan Ige to beat well, Mobs and me And Brandon are like, thanks for the points there, John. Uh, we'll, we'll keep distancing ourselves from you. Uh, and here I am agreeing with him on a Dan Ige fight. Mm-hmm. Makes me a little nervous. But uh, this is a big leap in competition for Damon Jackson. Um, And as we mentioned, you look at the guys Dan Ige's fought, he only loses to elite top-level guys. Um, And I think, uh, obviously, Damon's going to have a huge advantage in the grappling, and he will probably look to shoot immediately. He kind of does in a lot of his fights. um, And and get as quickly as possible to Dan Ige's back, and he can really get Ige in some trouble there. Um, But as long as Ige can kind of weather those early takedowns and and force sustaining engagement... Uh, this is a very winnable fight for him. Um, Ige also can't be so worried about the takedowns, though, that he doesn't let go with his hands. That's what we saw in, in his fight versus Ivloyev. You know, he allowed the takedown threat to kind of freeze him in moments. And not only did that lead to him getting taken down, but he got beat up pretty bad on the feet, too. Um, but ultimately, Damon Jackson does carry power in his hands. Um, we've seen it, especially with his uppercut. Um, I just don't think Jackson is as sound, at least what I've seen so far, in in, here in his UFC, second UFC stint um, on the... The feet as a guy like Ivloyev, right? So I think that should give Dan some confidence, kind of let his hands go a little bit more. Um, so I will take Ige. I do think it has to be early, though. Um, you know, he's been on this run of decisions um and, and even decision victories he's got to get back to those knockouts man um so what did you take john
0: i took a second round TKO.
1: so i'm gonna take first round knockout and i think he just he needs to touch his chin and just put him out man
0: um, we well, gotta take that nickname away because you don't get 50k for yeah. any of these decision wins unless they're great i mean they're fights.
1: fun the, and he, he's never and I, i'll say either way this is going to be a fantastic fight has fight of the night written all over it both of these guys come straight out and just get after it um but yeah, man. I just I hope we see Dan Ige come back and really prove why he. Do, do, um Belongs in the top fifteen, but at the same time, man, if if it's time to move over, I mean, Damon Jackson is is worthy of that mm-hmm. as well. I mean, he's shown it obviously on this nice streak, and I'll tell you what, going into 2023 on a five fight win streak with a win over Dan Ige doesn't suck. No,
0: <laughs> the main and the co main, you could see a new guard in two different divisions, Absolutely. or you could see you know a vet make another run.
1: I mean, the way they booked this whole card, you know, you even look at the shot Jeff Neal. Kind of the same thing, right? Like Shovcott needed a win, this win, like a Jeff Neal, to prove that he belongs up there. Jeff Neal trying to get back up to the top of the division mm-hmm. himself. So um, I, I really feel like that was kind of the theme as I was looking down this card. Um, but speaking of this card, also want to highlight some other fights: is Ponalele Soriano versus Roman Kapilov is another good fight on this. Um, Umar Nurmagomedov fifteen mm-hmm. and versus Hayoni. Barcelos Um, really excited to see umar obviously uh haven't seen him since uh his you know really dominant victory there over nate manis um see what he can get rolling, man. Umar's a guy I just want to see him get a little bit more active this year. Um, so hopefully we see that out of him. Um, and then the last fight that I kind of want to talk about here is Ketlin Vieira versus Raquel Pennington. Mm-hmm. And let me just stop for just a second um, because we, and I'll take the rap for this, is we probably in hindsight should have previewed this fight um, over even the, the Ige, um, uh why did I just lose? David Jackson. Jackson fight. Um, because whichever fighter wins this, Easily makes a case to be the next title challenger for Amanda Nunez at 135 pounds. Uh, Caitlin is currently on a two-fight win streak with uh, her last two wins being Misha Tate and most recently Holly Holm. Then you got Rocky Pennington is on a four-fight win streak Mm -hmm. with her last two wins being Macy Chasson and most recently Aspen Ladd. Um, So this is a big fight. I mean, huge Mm -hmm. fight with big implications for the winner. Like I said, I I can't believe I kind of let that one just like slip past when I was trying to decide which fights we would preview here. And this one definitely probably yeah. should have got the nod. I mean, because this, you know, the other ones we're talking about, guys just trying to hold on to the top 15, right, in, in the main and co-main. Um, but this one here, yeah, man, this, this could is have been the main if you talk absolutely. about implications. Oh, yeah, it's a title The level of fighters where they're at right now. easily could be a number one contender fight. So.
0: Definitely tune in.
1: Yep, so that's it, boys. And I think with that, we are ready for Brandon's <sighs> Facts Don't Care About Your Feel. Are you ready? I don't think anybody Facts don't care about your feelings with the Neon Belly Podcast. Oh,
2: yeah. Hold on. I thought this was my segment. With your host, Brandon. (laughs) That's my point. I know MMA. What I'm saying is it's overhyped. It's overrated. He doesn't give a damn about your
0: feelings.
2: You're reacting on feelings. I'm reacting on facts. Anderson Silva is one of the most overrated fighters of all time.
0: Brandon's world-famous
1: Facts Don't Care About Your Feelings with the Neon Belly Podcast.
2: I'm going to take some words from Ben Shapiro here. Facts don't care about your feelings.
1: Tell you what, still a hitter. And Brandon gave me one of those eyes again. Are you ready? <laughs> I like when Brandon says, are you ready? And he kind of gives this look. Let's hear what he's got.
2: So I think this is the first time that kind of had... You know, you guys well, I think Nate, you know, you brought this up like yeah. this would be a good topic. This, so was this a request. Yeah, this was kind of the first request. Which let
1: me add, if you're listening, shoot Brandon requests for facts don't care. Because yeah. this was my thing. I just wanted to hear his take on it. He deep dives into this stuff. He does a little research and stuff He's like that. Got He's got some
0: notes. I see some documents highlights. that's highlighted. I yeah. love it. Yeah. No, I love it. But that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. So if that's you're why you do that, though.
1: at Neon Belly Podcast, let him know.
2: Okay. So, you know, we start, the premise of this was going to be, let's talk about what should be done. Um, I'm sure people have seen by now, I think it was last Saturday, um, New Year's Eve, video came out of Dana White. Um, And his wife having an altercation essentially she hits him He hits her back a couple times and then kind of goes for a follow-up and um, then you know people break up the the whole incident there Um, So you can go see that video. It's been circulating. I'm sure most people have seen it then the question becomes what do we do about it because Dana White has been very vocal in the past with You know the quote that's really going around right now is that's one thing you never come back from is putting your hands on a woman Right, sure. Um, and then here we are the president of the UFC has just done that very thing and then the entire world saw it so What I was gonna do Initially was I was gonna go through and I was gonna look at all the fighters in the UFC Who have been charged convicted with this and see how the UFC handled it Okay that isn't gonna work. <laughs> um, so what I ended up f- discovering through this process was there were so many cases mm-hmm. of this. It's, that it's just overwhelming. There wasn't. I just didn't have the time to go through every sure. single one. Um. So there was a stat I found that I just figured I would lead with, okay. and then we'll get into what the UFC code of or athlete conduct policy is, and we'll kind of get into some of that stuff. So. Okay. Um, HBO did a a little uh, documentary in 15 some people have seen this it's been circulating since this all went down where they really kind of looked into the rates of domestic violence within the MMA community Um, so I did a little digging on that too And this documentary from the best I can tell which was put out by HBO sports it centers along um, amongst um, American born fighters and it goes back from 2003 up to 2015 and what they found was that essentially the national average in the United States for rates of domestic violence are 360 um, occurrences per 100,000 men. And then in the NFL, that rate is 210 occurrences per 100,000. And if you get into mixed martial arts, that rate jumps up to 750 for MMA. So it is well over, well, I shouldn't say well over, it's double the national average average within the MMA community. So it's very, very high. So um, there, and like I said, I I wrote down a few names. Um, There are tons of fighters who have fought in the UFC with multiple convictions. There's been cases where, They've suspended fighters for accusations and then brought them back mm-hmm. um, once they were exonerated or once charges were dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of all across the board. But like I said, there was just so many. I stopped after a certain number because there, it was just so many. Paper. Yeah, there was just so many that I was going to have to go through and all of yeah. the ways that, that it were handled. That If I could describe how the UFC typically handles these situations— The best word I can use is just inconsistent. Sure. Which Um, I kind
1: of felt like when I brought this up that as I was kind of going through my like Rolodex of like cases, it's like it is all over the place, right? Because you got your John Jones cases like we've discussed where like nothing's been done. And then there's like the Thiago Santos where like – it was immediately like cut like yeah you can't or who who was the one where Dana said that you don't come back
2: uh come. Louis Louis Pena the
1: mm-hmm. yeah the Louis the Louis Pena so it is all over the place so I kind of thought that might be the
2: case yeah. so then what I did and this was actually really hard to find was the athlete uh, code of conduct now I understand Dana is not an athlete per sure. se but he's an employee yeah and this is what's written into their policy and this from the best of what I can tell, is the most recent version because they, this has the added in, um, since all of the um, James Crow stuff with the betting went down, they have all these additions mm-hmm. in here about betting too. But I tried to highlight what they have as far as the misconduct. And so I'm just going to read a couple things here, and then we'll get into what exactly I think Dana should, should do or have done, okay? Okay. Okay, so this is all going to be direct from the UOC Athlete Code of Conduct. So... In the event an athlete engages in, in, um, I just highlighted this because I thought it was interesting. If they engage in derogatory or offensive conduct, including without limitation, insulting language, symbols, or actions about a person's ethnic background, heritage, color, race, national origin, age, religion, disability, gender, or sexual orientation, such conduct may result in sanctions in the form of contractual reduction from the athlete's purse for his or her next bout. Um, In addition, sanctions, contractual penalties, and contractual termination may be imposed for misconduct, which includes, without limitation the following so this next group
1: and like real quick off top like we're already that's (laughs) we're already at inconsistencies because you know you go back to even connor habib right and they were like you know oh the whole religion Mm. stuff went way too far Mm. and dana was like hey man it's fighting like that's what you get
0: so it's like that's sean strickland in a nutshell and and then
1: yeah (laughs) then you get into all the stuff sean Strickland. i mean it's already we're already seeing though i guess i'm just saying as we're going along with this we're already seeing where they're not the even holding stuff. Up. Yeah. yeah, they're not even holding up to their own code of conduct.
2: And that was, those were, those instances that I just named more than likely will result in essentially, you know, pay cuts, sure. some, something like that. Now, these sure. next group, this is, could be grounds for termination. Okay. okay, Criminal offenses, including but not limited to those involving the use of threat of violence, domestic violence, sure. and other forms of partner abuse. So that's obviously the big one we're going to sure. highlight. Um, and then... Theft, other property crimes, sex offenses, obstruction, resisting arrest, disorderly conduct, fraud, racketeering, and money laundering. And then there's a couple other ones listed here, but then the biggest one at the bottom that this one I think applies the most to Dana. And again, this is could be considered grounds for termination. Conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity and reputation of the UFC and its partners. Okay. So, give me one second here. I'm just getting making sure I have this all in the right order. Um, yes. Okay. So then there's this whole section in here on what the sanction process is, and essentially what it what it says is, um, upon knowledge that there's something going on with a fighter they try to do their own sort of independent investigations like Mm -hmm. a third party looks into what's going on and then UFC tries to make their own kind of determination as to how they'll handle it um and they essentially give the fighters or the athletes a chance to kind of make their case to the UFC as well in a given situation, but that doesn't always mean that they're going to make any any changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of do their own investigation on any of these instances, and then they make up their mind, which is kind of your loophole there as to mm-hmm. like, yeah, we have this written, but if we talk to them and we kind of make our own decision. Sure. Um, and that's where the next thing I hear that I thought was important was it says athletes who engage in misconduct, including violent conduct, domestic violence, or sexual misconduct may be required to undergo clinical evaluation as a condition to continue to contract based on the result of the evaluation, participation in an education program, counseling, or other treatment as recommended by a health professional may be required. Mm-hmm. So that is essentially the the big kind of points from all this. So then, okay, now the question, right, what do we do about Dana right. in this instance? So I think there's kind of two things to look at. One is what's realistically going to happen, and two, what would be best-case scenario. What I think realistically going to happen is absolutely nothing. Um, I think the game plan for them as a PR standpoint is to just wait it out. And, I mean, you've you've heard there's no comment from ESPN, Endeavor hasn't said anything. Um, UFC yeah, has, crazy. hasn't said anything up to this point. So I think the hope is that, you know, she obviously didn't charge him, um, so there's no legal Mm -hmm. precedence to this. Um, They're just going to not say anything, bury their heads, and hope it blows over. In a best-case scenario, I think what makes some sense, given what's outlined in their conduct policy, um, you could— Take out a, a certain percentage of his annual salary, let's say, and you mm-hmm. could redistribute that to like to, a battered women's shelter. Yeah, or you know, something, yeah. You partner up with a nonprofit yeah. or something like that. Redistribute what you cut from your own purse and redistribute that with a nonprofit. Partner with that nonprofit and make some appearances in different mm-hmm. events. Um, you know, let it be known where you truly stand on this issue yeah. make and an initiative about and show it. it. But that's where this next point is. You got to show it. I think the other side of this is. The cons- the inconsistency has to change. You have to be way more consistent, sure. and it starts with him. So mm-hmm. reprimanding himself and then following through with that with the fighters as well. Because as I was doing this, it became very evident. I didn't really realize this how big of an issue this is in the MMA community. I mean, it's massive, oh, dude. Mm-hmm. It's
1: it's big in sports. You know, like that's what me and John were saying. It's not even just in MMA; it's in sports right now. I mean, you look at the the. University of Texas's head coach, basketball head coach, just mm-hmm. got fired this past week for, you know, uh, an alleged um, domestic violence issue with his fiance. Mm. And he's fired, fired, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's a collegiate institute like that says, no, no that's not yeah. okay.
2: So go, go ahead. No, yeah. So that that's so that's essentially where we're at. I think he needs to yes. cut a percentage of his annual salary for this year, redistribute it to some sort of nonprofit, partner with that nonprofit, and carry it on throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, with his with his employees, make a much harder stance, but also enforce those those yeah. rules mm-hmm. and regulations much harder with fighters. Like I said, there were so many fighters that. Um, it's crazy multiple convictions of this fighters who mm-hmm. have been spent years in prison for it then brought right. back in I mean what message are you sending if you're not right. consistent about it so
1: and make and make an example out of yourself essentially is what he has the opportunity to do and like what what I you know me and John talked about it earlier in the week about this segment and, as I, and I told him is you know what what's the responsibility as well that that and I'm not even gonna say the UFC because or uh, Dana white because the thing that we have to remember, and you said it there, is Dana White is an employee of the UFC. He is the president. He is not the owner anymore. Endeavor owns the UFC. So anything that happens, like, they can do whatever they want to Dana White. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, essentially. Um, I think he still does own a small portion, but yeah, it's, it's a minority. But not states. anything. Like, De- Endeavor is the, the, the majority owner. So they're the ones that really could bring down the hammer here. But So I'll speak more to Endeavor is, like, And then like Brandon hinted out there is they basically came out yesterday and said that they are not going to issue any statement. Mm -hmm. Like they're just not going to say anything about it. His, you know, slap league, which how insensitive by TBS. Uh, Is that that who's broadcasting it? TBS? I mean, how insensitive? Like, oh, we're going to delay it a week? Like, is there any worse PR? I mean, that thing is never it's never going to work now like I mean I'm sorry but I have no interest in watching that I mean it's just you know what I mean like it's just it almost is just gonna feel weird watching it but getting back to what I was originally saying is though is the responsibility that Endeavor not only to their female fighters but to the female fighters who um, are I mean how many female fighters have been victims of domestic Mm -hmm. violence you know you know Misha Tate spoken out which is crazy that she came out and was one that defended Dana and all this Um,
2: Rose Rachel Rachel. Mm -hmm. I mean it
1: wasn't I think yeah there was another one I want to say Pollyanna Viviani. I mean, even um, going back to, like, Juliana um, uh, Pena, when that mm-hmm. guy beat her up at the gym, and Dana was like, oh, who you think you are? You know, you beat up a girl and, you know, all this other stuff. So it's like there's also, like, what they owe a responsibility, I feel like, to their female fighters and the ones that have even more so been victims of stuff like this. Yeah. So, yeah. but I agree. I think, you know, obviously there's going to be nothing that's going to be done about it, but mm. – and, and you – Hinted on something that I didn't even know was in their code of conduct and john can even attest to this because I said it to him is He should seek out some type of like counseling like it just Mm -hmm. just show like every because here's the thing Everything he said in that tmz thing is like look I I, it is what you know, I mean like i'm not saying it is what it is But he owned up to it, right? Like he didn't really make excuses for it It is what it is, but it's like it's one thing just to say that but then I feel like you have to do something to like show that you actually care you know what i mean yeah. and by saying like hey you know we're i mean and it's none of our business i get that but you also are the president of the ufc and you mm-hmm. have to do something so by coming out and saying like you know me and my wife are going to go to counseling and i'm doing this sensitivity training I'm, i don't know something but like yeah saying nothing doing nothing hanging out with the milk N- 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 boys and posting and bragging like i mean it's just It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And then the fact that they're still going to do this slap league. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That is crazy to me. Mm. Crazy to me.
0: Well, I also think, like, when you look at it, too, you know, you put – now you're putting your female fighters in a position because every interview they're going to get asked about it. Yeah. And they got to make a choice on whether they want to have, you know, stand up to something like that or risk – you know losing a contract sure. or not getting fights because you don't know how because if the UFC doesn't care about what Dana's done yeah. they're going to side with him over everybody yeah. and you do have some fighters who have a chance to speak out who are higher up but who knows if they do because they might be messing with their money once again that's
1: my thing is how many of the fighters have spoken out on all, on other fighters doing it and here it is it's like because it's Dana White like we're just seeing excuse after excuse for this guy <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like
0: crazy man yeah i I think that i mean obviously we know it isn't going to happen personally if if i got to choose what happens i think you have to remove him as your face and your voice and maybe you keep him as an advisor or whatever you do behind the scenes but you just can't it's hard to present that as a company and say, hey, trust this guy who's telling yeah. you how it's going down. He's also done this, this, and this, and you can find it all on the internet. Yeah. I mean, if all of us had our worst moment put on camera, it would be very, very disgraceful, and you probably don't want to be oh, sure. seen or talked to in public ever again. And he's going to be, like he said, I'm going to have to answer for this for a while, but it's going to be forever because yeah. nobody's going to just – I mean, if there were, are going to be people who forget, but nobody's just going to like – move on from it when it's such a polarizing part of the sport as he just said with those numbers yeah. like you can add up the average male in the u.s and the average football player in the u.s who's done this and it's still not more than what the mma community what is. was
2: interesting to me like you say that like it's never going to go away we're never going to like we won't no one will forget about this but then in, like when i was doing this i there were so many instances that I forgot about. I'm like, man, this like Luis Pena and then John Jones and like all these things. And that was just in the past year.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Like
2: there's been, it's so often. And then mm-hmm. it just kind of gets brushed over and that's to everybody. That's, sure. that's fans. That's, mm-hmm. that's the fighters. That's, that's what I was
1: about to say. It's not even just the fighters. Like mm-hmm. what, what kind of precedence does that set with your fan base that, you know, if we're seeing this amongst fighters, it's like, what about fight fans? You know, because now you're seeing, I mean, they target, a UFC says 18 to 35 year old males. Mm-hmm. I mean, and th- and this is the guy that like John said that you're choosing to have be the face of your company. And like, just to I, like what I said, when I saw yesterday that Endeavor basically came out and said, we're just not, we're not going to issue a statement like
0: what? Well, then you get to the level like, of ESPN's association. They show so many female sports on there. Yeah. You know, as they put these into their highlights and stuff like that, Dana's going to be a part of that. They usually bring him on there yeah. to talk about, you know, big fights coming up. How do you bring Dana White on a national sports television, the biggest national sports television show, and talk about female fighters in a situation like this?
2: You just do it. and then mm-hmm. You just hope that there's not a, enough backlash where they have to make any big changes. And then after five or six years, it'll be that story everyone tells yeah. at the dinner, dinner table. table
0: and I do think what's different about like forgetting is you know some of these fighters you forget about you don't see anymore you know because they either got arrested or you know they they got suspended for six eight months and you don't see them but Dana white's going to continuously be on our face and and journalists are going to keep kind of coming at him because no, they won't
1: you don't think so I don't
0: I feel I, like all I, these publications have came out already and said things
1: I think I mean, Errol hawani's not gonna forget no 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 I I guess I okay let me rephrase because I thought that's what you were meaning is like I thought you're meaning like in his media scrums because I feel like the UFC is already handpicking, as we've seen with yeah. people like Ariel Hawani, who is sitting in those media scrums. And like I brought up Brett Akamoto, who, you know, works for ESPN, does a lot of one on one interviews with Dana White, and he's like said nothing. I mean, he mm-hmm. retweeted, he's retweeted a couple like ESPN articles about it, you know, mm-hmm. which are, you know, kind of soft in terms of like, hard, you know, even ESPN's trying to like, as soft as they can address it, but he hasn't even given like, even a guy like Brett Okamoto, who, you know, is a big presence at UFC media days and stuff like he's not even, it's all,
2: that's where like, to me, it seems like the, the level of, of organization that goes into the PR handling of this is probably so intense. There's so much going on behind the scenes of people who have an understanding of how to manipulate. Sure. You know, even the TMZ interview, go watch that and go look at the questions that were asked by TMZ oh. And oh, yeah, the way it was all kind of framed up. Like, yeah. the idea is to make this as soft as a lane as sure. they can for mm-hmm. him. And that goes made the statement. that goes all the way across the board. Um, so it, it, there's no way to really combat that mm-hmm. if if you can't ask those questions, and he's never going to put himself in a position where he gets asked the question that he has to answer. And he
1: probably, like, you know, our first pay-per-view is going to be the, uh, two weeks away in, in Rio. He might not even do media for, like, the rest of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if he does, um, you know, I won't go as far as saying, you know, like you won't hear any questions, but any questions I can promise you that he gets asked about it. He'll know that like they'll, they'll be served to whoever asks it. Probably like a John Morgan or Kevin, I you know, these guys that are, that are present, you know, he'll know what's coming.
2: Or you'll hear one of those. Yeah. Next question. We're not doing this. Or a like, person just, will get removed.
1: Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a big issue, it, you know, going to the James Krause stuff. It's like it's it's unprecedented. You know, it, it, I think for me as like a fan of the sport, um, you know, regardless of like, um, you know, whatever. You know, I know people are like, oh, Dana's an ego, this testicle, and, you know, he he's always dealt in bad. She's been shit. I mean, all business people are. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that to me isn't – I mean, that just comes with the territory. But I think, as I guess as a fan, it's like this just – I won't say it hurt, but it just was kind of like, really? Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because my personal opinion, and this is personal, this obviously is just how I see it is. Watching that video, you know, he said, like, this has never happened. I've known my wife there. It just was, it came too easy. To me, mm-hmm. it's, a, I mean, you can say what you want. I mean, I've, I, and I said, I I don't want to go too crazy down that. You know, I do feel bad for his kids and, and his wife and all this, his family. I'm sure even him, he, they're embarrassed, I'm sure, mm-hmm. by it, as he even mentioned. But... I just hope it doesn't go away, man. Because yeah. I, I, well, I, I know that's what they want.
0: If, it, as you know, it's going to happen to another fighter. That's just statistical. Sure. So what happened? How does he address that? To the it can't be him, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you have to bring somebody else to say. Oh yeah,
1: because here's the thing. Like Brandon just mentioned. I mean, it happens year. I mean, it's it's going. There is going to be a fighter this year in the UFC that's probably going to get arrested for domestic violence. And if you're the UFC, how do you even you you know now how do you even address that? Like you can't.
2: <laughs> can you hire? And then that's another side of that. And this is what came out when I was doing this research. Can you can you um, if somebody's been convicted previously of it on multiple counts and they start fighting, are you willing to bring them into your organization? I
0: mean, they let Greg Hardy come in.
2: Right.
1: But that's the outlier. That's what Brandon's saying, like the inconsistencies. Because, you know, Dana was like, oh, I believe in second chances. So well, okay. he, Some of these can guys always, he can always fall back to that. It's like, well, look at Greg Hardy. I gave him a second yeah.
0: chance. Well, and there's also guys who come up probably from the undercard that you don't look into their record. But
1: Greg Hardy, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like he did things to at least show that he made an out. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like I, I can be very sympathetic and believe in second chances just like anybody else, but you have to show that – you know, and unfortunately, you're not just a regular, ordinary person. So you do have to show your fan base and people that you're making an effort to at least do something different. That's just my yeah. my opinion.
2: So I just to wrap it up, you know, like I said, I think what's gonna happen probably nothing. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Best, you know, more than likely, if he does anything, like you said, I think he just stays away from media for a little bit. Um, but in a best case scenario, like I said, I think uh distribute a little bit of your purse to a profit yeah. some sort of non-profit organization that stands for uh, how about
1: your pay-per-view sales I feel weird buying a pay-per-view right now mm-hmm. I mean you know obviously for our podcast and as fans of the sport it's like you know we have to in a sense I mean we don't have to but you know it's like I feel weird giving them money so how, why not come out and say like hey you know first
0: one's on me we're gonna give no
1: no 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 because who are we we don't you know, he didn't hit us or, you know, we're not right. victims and all this. We don't deserve a free pay-per-view for that. But how about make me feel better about giving my money because, you know, 10% or 20% of the sales of this pay-per-view we're going to donate to you know some call like John like Brandon said in line with a non-for-profit or something like just do something something
0: yeah. and, but that'll have to be them convincing ESPN to lose money as well
1: listen to John trying to make it all about how about a free one
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen bro <laughs> but the deeper but the understanding <laughs> that doesn't hurt that hurts them more than it hurts anybody else uh, but the next the next
2: question to, and we don't have to get too into this but it was just so staggering to me the, yeah. the, the level of it within the not just UFC the MMA community and that to me is interesting as well mm. like Mm-hmm. it's not it's it's kind of a it's bigger than dana dana is yeah. a massive part of it but it, it's the whole sport so mm-hmm. i mean that's that's a deeper thing too i
1: still think it's sports in general it, it, it that is alarming specifically in mma but i mean it's i think it's just it's sports in general
2: man well I'll, next time i'll do some research and i'll do it across sports and i'll see if it <laughs> compares to oh i bet
0: it's you're not. gonna get
1: sad dude hearing that <laughs> number times. that that number that was alarming i mean when you said that that's mm-hmm. crazy yeah john let's get into the news <laughs> Oops, wrong button. Sorry. I mean, I know we went a little long on that too real quick, but I think it's a big deal mm-hmm. and I really do and I think it's important to talk about it and I think it's important, like I said, that um, in a sense to continue to talk about it because once people stop talking about it, exactly right. what they want to happen, which is it to get swept under the rug, that's what's going
0: to happen. Right. And you don't want, as people who are listening to us, you don't want to feel like, you know, UFC fans don't care about this either. They're going to look at this exactly. weapon and that's not what we're right. doing here. At right.
1: All. Right. Cause we're not one of the, I mean, I've seen just some of the most insensitive, disgusting stuff from like fight fans and even fighters. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I still, what would you say? Misha Tate came out and was yeah. like, it was self-defense cause she hit him first. Like, that's that's disgusting even mm-hmm. coming you know as as a female and a fighter and and once again somebody that's openly discussed her own you know being victimized in that type of world it's like are you crazy like yeah that's crazy mm. so let's get into the news going on
0: the news uh, going on the news uh, uh. if you don't like it brandon will punch you and give you a bruise the news. <laughs> Alright, well like Nate said at the beginning We've been away for a while So there's been a lot of news that we're going to kind of skip over Because it's just been, you know, two, almost three weeks Sure. Um, one thing I didn't want to skip over though Is Christmas Eve We have a rest in peace to the original Ultimate Fighter Stephen Bonner yep. Passed away Christmas Eve
1: Munster, Indiana's very own
0: he He's was, he was probably the first Indiana-like big name um, Fighter But obviously everybody remembers his fight with Forrest Griffin sure. You know, the, like I said, the original Ultimate Fighter um, But also, so, the biggest thing we're going to talk about today Which is. Which, let me say, go ahead.
1: And, and on that fight, is I feel like that's been said a lot and it's been talked about a lot. But if you're like a newer UFC or fight fan and you did not watch that fight, yeah. seek that fight out and go watch. Because, like, I feel like we talk about everybody's kind of talked about it at Nauseam, like, oh, that, that ultimate fighter thing. But, like, how many people have actually gone and watched that? I mean, go mm-hmm. watch that fight and, and kind of remember as you're watching that, that, like, the UFC was, like, literally. I don't even know if they were month, like maybe even weeks away from folding mm-hmm. and that fight, not only literally like saved the company, but I mean, almost the sport in a sense mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I mean, when people say, you know, who have been fans and remember that fight that, you know, that fight r- really is probably why everything is where it is today. The good, the bad, the ugly go, if you have not do yourself a favor as a fight mm-hmm. fan and go watch that fight. Yeah. One just, of the best fights ever. I mean, for it's just sure. insane
0: um so big thing here so love him or hate him you can't say he isn't a needle mover nor is he a risk taker thursday morning the new york Times posts an interview with jake paul where he announces that he signed a multi-year contract with pfl um stating part of the deal includes him and his business partner nakissa um bedarian former cfo of ufc now owning equity shares in pfl as well Jake's official role being fighter advocacy, and Badarian will assist in league operations and pay-per-view strategies. Also, the contract calls for Jake to not only compete in boxing matches, but also MMA fights. In the interview, he says he plans on fighting twice in 2023, once in boxing and once in MMA. He will compete in a new division known as Super Fight. With the fights taking place on pay per view. The Super Fight division is designed to attract fighters who can instantly draw pay per view buyers rather than those trying to win a championship in an established weight class. Sure. In this division, fighters will earn at least 50% of pay per view revenue, which is a significant bump in revenue sharing from the UFC, percentage wise, from the UFC, where it's more like 20% for all revenue. Uh, pay per view will be distributed by ESPN and Danson. Uh Jake Paul is quoted in saying he's. This is about changing MMA, disrupting, innovating, and creating new a new big league. Credit
1: here, before I say this, credit to Jake for being willing to like step into an MMA cage and, and make mm-hmm. that walk, dude. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um and, and credit to him for that. But everything you just read about that super fight league is like, I don't want any smoke with an actual legit up and comer hungry. Like give oh, yeah. me an old guy that, just like yeah. in the boxing stuff. Like I just want a big name that I can go out there and try and yeah. try and beat up essentially. Um, you know, he doesn't want anybody like, like a Ray Cooper like somebody on right. that roster that can like really <laughs> do something great so yeah
0: and it goes deeper um, the, the season will operate as usual there will be two super fight division cards uh, this year the division only currently has two fighters signed to it Jake Paul and superstar Kayla Harrison uh, the new division might consider fighting right I'm just, I'm just kidding the new division <laughs> is expected to blend fights with influencers and celebrities who have shown some level of proficiency with bouts against established pro fighters similar to the format that Jake used for his previous boxing cards while current pfl fighters may cross over to the super fight division it says in quote the league is more focused on signing new fighters fighting, who can yeah. do pay-per-view draws after the announcement paul went on to social media to post a video calling out current free agent nate diaz to a two-fight contract fighting him first in boxing and then six months later fighting him in the pfl smart cage To which Nate Diaz
1: responded and instantly posted, like, a picture of Ryzen, the Ryzen logo. Uh, So, you know, that could be some, like, instant, like, kind of negotiating or lobbying there by Nate to try to get, you know, like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I want as much, because, look, there's other offers, or I'm going to go over here, you know, so he could just be trying to get the PFL to throw, like, crazy money at him, which... I think it to be a cool thing for, for both of them, you know, especially mm-hmm. if they do one in boxing, one in MMA. I think that'd be super fun
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: to see, and I, and I think Nate would be on board with that. I really do, especially if the money was right. However, I will say I'm going to throw another name out there that I think makes a ton of sense um, if Nate Diaz does not want to do that, and that is give me the mainstream fiend versus the underground king, Eddie Alvarez, mm-hmm. because here's the thing. Eddie fits perfectly into Jake's whole MO with the boxing even is he's a smaller, older, mixed martial arts fighter. Mm-hmm. Eddie's talked about wanting to box Jake in the past. I think he threw his name out there. Uh, was it when, was it Woodley? Who dropped out? Somebody dropped out. I think because Woodley stepped in for somebody last minute. Yeah, right?
0: oh, that was the.
1: And I feel like Eddie was like trying. He to- stepped
0: in for Fury. Tommy Field. Yes.
1: And I feel like Eddie was, if I remember correct, Eddie was throwing his name out there. And I feel like the only thing would be weight class. Like, you know, Jake has only boxed, I think his smallest was like 190. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we're talking, you know, he'd have to be like a middleweight. Probably need to get to an Eddie, he'd have to go down to like 170, and Eddie would have to come up. But I think that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's exactly what they're looking for. It's a big name in the mixed martial arts space that would sell pay per views. Eddie's a free agent right now, mm-hmm. um, and um, it would be big. and And I think it gives it gives Jake a legitimate chance to win the boxing match, and and Eddie probably could beat him in MMA. I mean, honestly, but even still, it. it Jake would still have, you know, it's what Jake would probably be looking for in a mixed martial arts opponent.
0: What do you think about all this?
2: I to be honest, like I know I know you just kinda of ragged on that division a little bit, but I thought it sounded kind of interesting. Like they're at least op- like kind I, of on the face, like a, letting people know, you know, this division is like you said, not for people sure. looking to become world beaters, but this mm-hmm. is like we know people will want to watch this. Absolutely. And that's who, you know, Jake is. And dude, I'm
1: always for that. You know, we've talked about that with like Brian Barberina in the UFC is like he's kind of the head of this like, I don't really care about titles, wins, losses. I just want to go have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um and and have big fun fights. um, But no, I'm I'm all for it. You know, I'm not, I'm just saying like from, from what Jake wants is like, that's exactly, you know what I'm saying? Like he wants. Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't see him fighting anybody on the actual roster right now outside of maybe too risky, but I do. It depends on how they do this. If he wants to do a fight for a fight, that becomes more difficult. But if you just get him. If he just wants to fight a one-off boxing match and a one-off MMA, you know, you do have his previous boxing opponent who would be interesting in MMA. Mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley would be interesting to fight him in MMA. <laughs> Woodley's a good one. Ben man. Askren, uh, even Anderson. All three of those in MMA are a very interesting fight. Now, sure. boxing, he does still have the Tommy Furies and other people that they could bring in for one fight. Yeah. Um, I like
1: the one-for-one, one, though. I think, yeah. that's, I, mean, that's, I think that's the fun, you know, especially because all he's beat is MMA guys yeah. for the most part.
2: I am yeah. curious to see, though, what... He does with this advocacy position, he's mm. taking up for that company as well. Well, um, the start
0: of it is the 50% revenue, but who knows how that 50% is getting broke up. He might be getting, you know, 30, 40% of that, and then it goes yeah. to the opponent. But, also, you got to look at um, Mike Perry is another person who's called him out yep, for it, which could work. Which could work. Um, you know, even looking at like the bare knuckle, they have like a Melvin Gillard or somebody who's done MMA who Ooh. they might be able to throw. Um, I don't really know
1: if that moves pay per views though, like a Mike Perry or Eddie Alvarez or I mean, right. even Anthony Pettis threw his name out there. Yeah,
0: and, and I think that there's also a wild card of Bellator who's been willing to let fighters go and they've sure. been and they've been trying to get this Kayla Harrison Cyborg fight for a while, so they might be willing to match up Paul with somebody like. Michael Page in oh, boxing or Dylan Danis in MMA in exchange for letting Kayla Harrison and Cyborg happen
1: Dylan Danis yes there's no way Jake Paul takes Michael Vennon Page like that's I think that's what he's kind of trying to avoid in a sense
0: yeah well I'm saying in boxing I didn't necessarily even say in MMA but I'm saying they might be willing to do that one name that is on the challenger series PFL roster that I thought would be interesting but it won't happen because the name but for us we would like it would be Lucas Barbosa he, oh Hulk Yeah he's yeah. on their Their challenger He's two and one So it'd make more sense yeah. In an MMA But obviously they wouldn't Do that for wow. a needle mover But um, it, it's, it's gonna be interesting To see because now You do have You know Clarissa Shields Who's a boxer Who sure. now on these super fights They could book Her a boxing fight On there Sure um, and, and maybe even bring in a boxer to fight her in MMA. Like they have a lot of potential here. But if they just do it like the Jake Paul has been doing his boxing, where it's like a, a low-name celebrity fighting a YouTuber or something, that gets.
1: I like it, man. I I, I like that that they're they're trying something different, and, and I I think it's gonna work. I mm-hmm. really do. I think it's I think oh well there Ooh. goes all my pop vinyls. <laughs> I think it's gonna work, and I think it's gonna do really Well, well I, I think, really do. I
0: think the biggest twist in this is now PFL is really challenging the UFC in the sense that now Jake Paul has ESPN backing his pay-per-views and with these revenue shares you're going to be able to get more people to like take a chance to get you know a check and now there's more options out here if you're trying to make money
1: I mean if you're like a Robbie Lawler you know who's just kind of floating around at the UFC like what do you do next type thing like yeah if you can get out of your UFC contract and go to PFL and fight Jake and make millions of dollars like that's where I think that's where the UFC is going to like be the most affected is some of these Mm -hmm. like legends that they are still making money off of. So they do still, I mean, I'm not saying they need these guys, but they do still make money off of a Robbie Lawler Mm -hmm. on a pay-per-view. I think that's where they're going to start getting affected is PFL is now giving, going to start with this super fight league or division is now going to start giving these guys a home to like, Hey, you're at the end of your career. You're a big name. Screw fighting these young hungry guys and getting fed you know, title contenders just to get these guys up to the top. Come over here, make a ton of money. And people, I'll watch it. That'd be fun, right. dude. That'd be
0: so fun. So, so it, it becomes interesting, man. I think um, this year will be really telling on what yeah. uh, Jake Paul's able to accomplish with them in PFL. Sure. Um, moving on, we have uh, some abysmal news. in the UFC's pay-per-view prices are again rising <laughs> up. ESPN planning to increase the pay-per-view prices on the ESPN Plus by five dollars from seventy-four ninety-nine to seventy-nine ninety-nine. UFC two eighty-three is expected to be the first event to see the price hike, but the subscription price for ESPN Plus at ninety-nine ninety-nine annually will not be affected by this change. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, that's not going anywhere. No. I mean, as long as the as long as the company and the sport continues to grow the prices will I mean you know it's not crazy in three years they'll be a $100 yeah. I mean they'll just keep going up so as long as long as it keeps growing that's gonna keep happening
0: and that news happening after saying the Jake Paul PFL thing it makes me wonder what PFL's pay-per-view price will be because if, yeah, if, I don't know. if they're coming in at 80 it'd just be interesting they to see that. where they start The
1: Kayla that fight that Kayla lost that was a pay-per-view I don't know how much it was though mm. I didn't see yeah
0: uh, also we, in the news, we have Demir Izmagulov announcing his social me- on social media January 1st that he's retiring from MMA, yeah. stating, Due to circumstances and health problems, I am forced to end my sports career. Thanks to all those who were with me regardless of the outcome of the battles, who are sincerely sick and worried. It's been an interesting journey and a moment to remember. Um he's a great fighter, somebody we were really high on. And it's another weird case to go along with Zabi and Askarov of these high level guys who are walking away in their prime due to health concerns. Yeah. All three of them Russian. Mm, yeah. Yeah? Mm. I believe so. So and I was telling him like who knows uh, what these Demir's guys
1: are not he's like from like Is it Kazakhstan? I mean, he's like... I want to say he
2: fought in the Russian military, though. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's...
1: Or, like, one of the... Uzbekistan or something, you know, like Mm -hmm. one of those, like kind of like a Dagestan, kind of like one of those. So, yeah, they all kind of are from that same part of the world, though. But, yeah, man, that sucks. I mean, he's somebody, you know, just... I mean, I know he just lost to Sarukin right there at the end of the year, but, you know, he wins that fight. He's one, maybe two away from a title fight. I mean, mm-hmm. that's crazy, but like you said, you know, we saw it was Zabit, saw it with Askarov. Yeah, Askarov, if he wins against which Kikar, Askar, he
0: fights for a belt.
1: Askar kind of left the door open a little bit more. Yeah. I thought about, like, you know, maybe he comes back, you know, but, like, you know, Zabit was just like, I'm done. Demir said he's just kind of mm-hmm. done, which he always did that, like, weird eye thing where he would, like, kind of turn his head. And, and there's like, like a twitch, yeah. Yeah, it was always kind of really weird. I never knew if that was, like – Something that was an issue, like, or if it was just something he did. Yeah, like I a, thought it,
0: at first I thought he was hurt, but then I thought it was more like a tick or something. I don't know,
1: but uh, but man, yeah, that's that really sucks. Yeah.
0: And I was telling Nate, like, I wonder what you know, who knows what these guys go through in these more impoverished areas, like with health care and even their, tra- their level of training. And mm-hmm. you know, we just seen with Yuri, like, he has friends that just try to pop his shoulder back yeah. in and it doesn't work. Like, who knows what these guys have been through, mm. um, within that. Um, one thing that I was so wrapped up in the Jake Paul stuff, I forgot to type in here, was somebody we talked about earlier is Ilya Tapora getting into yeah. a bar fight. Um, I don't know if you guys seen that video, but talk about like somebody not giving him the heads up of like who you're about to go try to attack in a bar. Yeah, last person you want to do is Ilya Tapora. Did mm-hmm. he get arrested? Uh, I did not see if he got arrested wonder or if not. They'll just,
1: they'll, I wonder mean, if they'll probably just char- chalk it up to like a bar fight. I mean, right. There's not really much that usually comes out of that ever.
0: All right, well, the last thing I have is fight announcements, and since we've been gone for a while, there's some big ones. Um, Aaron Blanchfield and Tala Santos yeah. is going to be in February. That's a big one. Uh, Blanchfield obviously coming off of the Molly fight. Um, the big she wins one, it. She's right? probably number one contender. Uh, not to, And that's in February, not to be outdone. Another uh, big one coming back, Tantiano Suarez announced yesterday fighting Montana De La Rosa in february as well i imagine it'll probably be the same card yeah but suarez obviously we've talked about has all the potential in if the world she just and stay
1: healthy man yeah. she's a she's a she's a she could be a champion
0: mm-hmm. we have a uh, kai france out of his ufc 284 matchup with alex perez due to injury stepping in is manel Cop, somebody that we've um been coming big, big on. Win. yeah it's a big chance for him because if he beats somebody like perez he puts himself right there in that conversation yeah uh sean brady against your boy Michelle Pereira in March. That'll be fun. That will be fun. Really fun fight. Good chance for Sean Brady to bounce back. Uh, Derek Brunson and Is it The S is silent, isn't it? That the S said S is silent. Duplicy. Du Duplicy. 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 At UFC 285, big chance for him. You know, you beat Brunson after just coming off the till. Yeah. You have a lot of chances there. Um, you've already mentioned the Shavcott and Jeff Neal getting rescheduled for 285. Uh, we have Rob Font versus Adrian Giannis in April crazy fight and then somebody we've talked about if you listen to our awards jack della madalena is fighting randy brown at ufc 284 I saw that. that's a good one too really big one because
1: randy brown's like really good yeah mm-hmm. that's, a,
0: that's a really big test for him yeah. so that's all i got fellas yeah that
1: that one might be you know the next next big name this year and randy, interesting. and
0: randy brown's been scrapping his way through you know oh, not, yeah. not getting known so
2: brandon song of the week oh i was not prepared at all i thought i just had that
0: yeah he had christmas Cause he picked the Blink One Eighty Two song, and then you picked for the Jeopardy. Well, what were No, did they you come you out? picked
1: the first song of the year for the New Year's. Oh,
0: okay,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's why I'm confused. Cause the yeah, the order. Okay, uh, song of the year. Come back to me. Do you want for the people? I'll give you the song.
1: Okay, boys are back in town. Maybe. Okay, let's go. With boys that. are back in town. <laughs> John, what is your <laughs> one for the people?
0: My one for the people is I want to wish a happy birthday to my oldest nephew Amir. It's his birthday today.
1: There it is, Brandon. What is your one for the people? Uh,
0: I guess this is kind of one for Jake. I don't, I don't. think I actually like ever said anything
2: to Jake about getting my purple. Like, I don't think I said thank you. Did you me. hug him? I think I gave him a hug. You did roll with
0: him. Too. Did you I give him, did roll? With did him. you
1: give him a butt tap?
0: Maybe, probably one point.
1: Like eight. smack him on it.
2: Um,
0: I yeah, I guess. Um, if you roll with him, that's like a jujitsu thank you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess shout
2: out to Gaha. Like, I just feel like this year. Per- we have some chances, some chances this year to make some pretty big waves. in the, in the Starting with region. the Open. Yeah, the local circuit here. Um, so I just think, you know, big thanks to Jacob. I think a lot of people, you know, don't truly really know what all he puts into the gym. And mm-hmm. as an instructor, coach um, with fighters, and he's, you know, a dad now. He's got a family of his own. Um, so just shout out to Jake for everything he does for us, for the gym. Um, and just, yeah, big thanks for the promotion. And let's keep it going into 2023.
1: I think you have to be, I mean, obviously other than Jacob, the longest active member, like currently active, still active.
2: Well, if you count Allen, he's been there longer than me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Top count Allen. Yeah.
1: So you're, you're third. Mm-hmm. How many years have you been with Jacob?
2: Mm, since I was 20, I'm 27, maybe, maybe I was 19. So about eight, eight years. Wow. Yeah. He gave so, you a purple belt and beat you in a foot race. He did. <laughs> He'll never let that one go. My one for the people. Were you going to change
1: song of the week? Boys, you're back in town. Yeah. All right, I like it. Uh, my one for the people. Uh, just keep those five star ratings coming, man. And, and the reviews on Apple. Uh, keep telling people word of mouth is probably the best like way that you can help us as well. If you've already like if you have already done like five star, you've written a review, all that stuff. Um, just tell somebody, man. If you know somebody that's a mixed martial arts fan, um, like I said, that's how that's how we can keep spreading, keep growing because we're ready for 2023, boys. Got a big year of fights. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. Matt Talk's coming, hopefully. Um, so just keep it locked in.
0: Yeah, we got that link tree in our Instagram bio, so if you need to find all of our places, they're right there. Baby. Yep,
1: yep. And then we will be back next week to recap Kelvin Gastelum versus Nazardini Mavov and get you ready for our first official UFC pay-per-view of the year, Glover Teixeira. Or how do you say it, John? Teixeira. <laughs> Glover Teixeira <laughs> versus Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill.
0: Let's go. We'll
1: see you guys next week.
0: Peace. Peace.